Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. We hope you have had a great week and are ready for another great show. Tonight we have a topic around a question that we get asked all of the time and that is how high will the US stock market go before it crashes? Before we do, we'll get into answering your most burning questions. We'll get into the charts and explore the charts of AGL, ResMed, Amcor, Telstra and other stocks that you've asked us to take a look at. Hello, I'm Janine Cox and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. <laughs> Hello. Well done. <laughs> oh, you remember right before the show, that little bit that I said it didn't sound right? Yeah. That's what I had fixed that's, in my mind and that's what head. happened. If you think it is, it is. And you know, it's like it's tra training yourself to not do a, a good job of it. So. But you did pretty well anyway. Okay, so. fantastic. We missed you because you've been away. Oh, I know. Thank, yeah, Friday thank you off, for that. Monday off. You should have a suntan or being sunburned if you've been down the do beach think? and sunbaking. And no, you didn't do any of that. <laughs> Not in Melbourne. What did you I mean, do on your weekend? The weather just off? changes so quickly. But what did you do on your weekend? It was a beautiful weekend. What did you do? Oh, I went um, shopping, which I dislike doing immensely. Shopping. Okay. And I couldn't believe how packed. You know, some of the shops were. I just couldn't yeah. believe how busy some of them were. Yeah. I know. Might, I when, thought people would be staying away from the shops still. Well, you but... would think so. But I remember after that that big lockdown we had, you know, the 12-week one here in Melbourne, the first thing my wife wanted to do was go shopping. I said, you hate shopping. Why do you want to do it? She goes, because I can now. <laughs> I don't, yeah. don't get it anyway. No, but I don't get it either. Remember, this is your show, so if you do have a burning question for us, don't just sit there, do something, which means send in an email or better still upload a 30-second video of yourself to Dropbox and then send us the link. Now remember to send all of your questions through to info at wealthwithin.com.au and type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Now as we always or as always we give preference to subscribers so because uh, you are the awesome people who support this show. So if you want to join in on the conversation subscribe now just below and support the show and send us your question. Okay do you think that worked? I don't know. Maybe I'll say Janine will come around and haunt you. Moving on, it's the fourth Tuesday in the month and this means we look at world currencies. So let's get into the charts right now, shall we? Well, something more sensible than me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the top of the screen there, you have the um, Australian dollar versus the Swiss franc. Now, I don't really follow that much, do you? The Australian dollar and the Swiss franc? No, I don't. I don't actually. But look, if somebody does and they're trading it, it's up 4.2% for, for the, the month, month, which That's is good. good. Um, do only crazy people trade currencies? No, 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 no. Some sane people do because they know what they're talking about as <laughs> okay. well. But we, do, we see a lot of people trying to get started in currencies and it's yeah. not an easy area it's, to start it's a, trading. It's silly starting at that point, I think. I know. I was chatting to a... Um, we're on the wrong top topics. Well, we're sort of on the right topic, aren't we? What is was, currency? So. Well, I was talking to an FX broker last week, so one of the, a broker and their business development manager, and, and I said straight out to them, I said, I know 80% of the people that you have on your platform aren't trading much or mm. doing absolutely nothing. And I said about 10% are doing a tiny little bit and only 10% are doing more trading and those 10% make all your money for you. And he goes, yes, Dale, you're correct. And he goes, how did you know that? And I said, because I've been dealing with futures brokers for 20 years mm. and that's the story across the whole board. So 90% of the people that open accounts aren't doing that good because most of them aren't educated enough to trade currencies. Right. But you still need to look at the currencies in terming and helping you with your stocks as well, because obviously we've talked about in the past, you know, yeah. how we can look at it for BHP and Rio and some of the other stocks, mm. because currencies will affect different stocks within Australia. 
Sure. So by understanding this. So let's go and have a look at because this is the month. So our dollar's been really strong for the month, hasn't it? Yeah, I think what you've got to get, gauge mm. from this is what the flavour is. So if mm. we're looking at what's happening and what's on the leaders board, we can see the Asian markets yeah. versus the Australian dollar are faring really well. So we've got Aussie dollar versus the Asian market, sorry. Um, the other way around, the mm -hmm. Australian dollar's faring really well. Yep. So it's 3.9% up um, on, the Japanese, on the Japanese yen. And then we're up 3.6% on the Hong Kong dollar. Yep. Now, it's interesting here, the, US, the Aussie dollar versus the US dollar is not far behind, 3.6% up. Mm. And there's no red at the moment. And there's no red, yeah. For the month, which is really positive, isn't it? So looking at the, um, just jumping right down to the British pound sterling at the bottom, that's the lowest one on the board at the moment, still at 1%. And we're still at 51 uh, Australian dollar at 56 mm. pence, which is not too bad against the, the UK Which pound. is interesting. So let's just go mm. and have a look at a couple of the charts then while yep. we're on this. So yep. here I've got the Australian dollar versus the Chinese renminbi looking yuan. Strong. Now, as you all know, when we're looking at charts, we go and have a look at the monthly chart first and, and take a big picture perspective on, on what's mm. happening. Now, some of these charts look very similar, obviously, because so, it's Aussie dollar versus mm. all of them. So therefore, um, I don't think it's worth talking about a whole lot. So I've just picked out a couple and you can see it's really looking bullish right now. Against the Chinese renminbi, yeah, mm. absolutely. It does look okay. really, really nice too. So, so anyone who's trading long right now would be doing well on these um, currency pairs. So, so Aussie dollar euro is looking good. Yep, it's nicely up. So that's, that's actually a little bit stronger than the, um, than the, the, the Asian markets. Yep. yep. We come down a little bit further. Let's just pick the Japanese yen that I talked about earlier because that's really strong. We can see there on the weekly one, we can look at the monthly one and yep. see how strong that is. Again, it's a bit of a repeated repeated scenario, but I just want to really move down to the US dollar to see what's happening there. So if we scroll down, we can see the US dollar, Australian dollar versus US dollar again, again strong really against, strong. So. But this is this is really a positive thing, the fact that mm -hmm. we're heading towards this high here. Um, so these highs back in January 2018 and the one right next to that in September 2017, it's you know, it's approaching that level, which mm. historically has been an important level for our currency against the US dollar. So I'm just watching to see what happens, whether it just pushes right through that or whether we're going to see a repeat of what's happened in the past and it, and it just getting stuck there. It could be. I mean, I, I, it's interesting. I've had some people commenting on social media around our dollar being weaker against other currencies. But then when you look at this, it's mm. not. It's doing really well the last few months against yeah, other currencies. Mm -hmm. The US is printing another $1.9 trillion. So you've got to think that, mm, I don't know where the, the, the US dollar is going to get stronger. Well, you, you were talking yourself about how that stimulus, that $1,400 or whatever it is that people are going to receive a cheque in the mail or, mm. or in, in the their US, bank yeah. account in the US um, and where is that money going to end up and that people are concerned about the impact of that. So, and whereas in Australia, we're putting that money into projects. Correct. Largely, I mean, mm. we are supporting companies as well and supporting individuals, but it's more widely spread. But then I don't know all of the ins and outs of what every this stimulus and the next stimulus are supposed to do in the US, but they may follow up with something different. But you can't tell me it's going to support their currency because, I mean, last, mm. like we were talking about in, the, in my market report yesterday, that 21% of all US dollars printed in the last 13 year, 30 years happened last year with the stimulus mm -hmm. and all of it went to just paying out money to people, not necessarily projects and infrastructure and all sorts of stuff. Now, whilst we need to support unemployed people and those sort of things, people who can't work because mm. of COVID, I understand all of that, but I just have to think of, is it going to support their currency if they keep printing money? Yep. And my guess is probably not. Um, it's not yeah. going to support it. But but it's looking good anyway for it, the Australian dollar. The Aussie US dollar is looking so good right across the board anyway. Yeah. So that's our take on mm -hmm. the Aussie dollar. So let's move on, okay. to, on to the next part. First up, we have a video question from Roger. So, Roger, what is it that we can help you with today? Ah, there you are. I've been looking everywhere for you too. Now, I have a question concerning monitoring the progress of my investments. Now, what I do is uh, when I buy, I note the date and the price, and when I sell, I note the date and the price. I calculate a percentage uh, profit, and I calculate the uh, annualised percentage profit. But this isn't really good enough. I'd like to get a, a calculation of the overall trend of the uh, combined shares 
with the time I've held them and so on. What do you recommend? Well, we've all got work to do. Wasn't that beautiful? Do you, uh, do you want to tell Roger, Roger he missed a cobweb above his head? <laughs> no, he didn't, mate. <laughs> I think that's the most ingenious little recording that we've had, I might had, call him it? Mr Sparkle. What do you reckon? Because yeah. he's got a sparkly personality and a sparkling clean house. <laughs> Lovely. That's, come around to my place, Roger, no problems at all, and I'll have a job for you. Good to it's... see a man with a broom or mop in his hand, isn't it? You no. Know. No, <laughs> so let's answer his question. So he's looking about returns now. Mm. He's mentioned he's talking, looking at you know buy price, sell price, looking at return on the stock itself or whatever the return is that he's got. Mm -hmm. He's looked at annualised returns as well. So when they're looking, when we when we do portfolios, I'll, we obviously talk about it in my book. Mm -hmm. So both of my books, we talk about how you manage your portfolio and returns and what you need to be doing. So. First thing is treat it like a portfolio, not an individual stock, because one or two stocks can make your portfolio returns really, really well. But what would you suggest he look at in terms of calculating returns? Look, one of the things that I find interesting is when people look at their portfolio, they're not looking at the cash component. Mm. So they're just looking at the stock. Now, you know, if you set out and you said, oh, I'm just going to buy you know, a few shares and you start purchasing the shares and you haven't said, well, OK, I'm going to allocate, say, 100000 or 50000 or whatever it is, 20 for some people, um, I'm going to allocate this amount of capital and the return on the portfolio is therefore going to be a percentage of whatever that total amount is mm. that's been allocated. Whereas what some people do is they just might have bought a couple of shares and they're working it out based on those individual stocks, which is not the correct way to do it. Yep. So I'd recommend to Roger that he just look at it holistically. Having them in a spreadsheet is actually really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. If you know how to use Excel, that's really good to have that all set out nicely. And um, so if you do that and you add the cash component to it, then it's going to be pretty straightforward to work out a percentage return overall. Yeah, so look at it as a total portfolio, put the cash into mm. it. Uh, and there's multiple different ways of calculating returns. But I'd also, one thing I'd add before I wrap up is just benchmark it against something else, like the so, yeah, what does he want? something. What does he want to do? Is, want it, to is do? it over a calendar year? Is it over a financial Correct. year? Is mm. he just measuring himself against his own performance or yeah. is he wanting to see how he performs relative to the market? I would do a financial year because obviously mm. that's when you do your tax. So put all your costs and everything in, tax, et cetera, et cetera, all that into your calculations. So, And then that'll work out where the bang for the buck is pretty mm -hmm. much. So do all of that, Roger, okay. and we'll take it from there. Now, the next question we have is from Adrian, who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. I know you must have answered this question before, but I am a 20-year-old student who has managed to save roughly $15,000 that I'm prepared to invest. Uh, finding that I am consistently hesitating in making a start with my timing be, being my main concern, even though it is planned to be a long-term portfolio. My main question today is what particular factors, example, PE ratios, etc., should I focus on during my decision-making process? How can I be confident that the time is right? Um, any alarm bells you could notify me on would also be hugely appreciated. Wow. Fantastic to get a young person thinking mm. that through, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and we've, you probably, well, have we answered this before? Probably. But the, to me, it's, there's one thing with investing is never, never, how do I say it? Never really a bad time to get into the market and invest. They're just sometimes they're better times. But if you've got a long-term view, then there's really not necessarily a bad time. And all of the answers for you are in my book. And, and I'll say that with my tongue in my cheek saying with, you know, humility, it is in my book. So just go and buy my book. It's free on the website. Uh, if you pay the shipping, go and buy it. It'll teach you what to do with it, how a little bit of money. If you only got 5000 or 10000 you've got fifteen. It'll tell you how to understand what stocks to buy, what you should be picking out, when to buy them, fix all your timing issues. It'll give you the confidence. And for whatever the shipping cost is, that's dirt cheap. I think that's probably the easiest way for me to answer it because it's a little bit more complex than what he's asking. I don't think I've ever seen you with your tongue in your cheek, but I don't think I want to, so don't yeah, do well, a demonstration. It's pretty of that hard one. to stop me talking, isn't it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, that's it for that one. That was a good answer. Next, we have a question from Sam. Hi, Janine and Dale. Thank you for the hard work. AGL paying a good dividend, but share price has been dropping dramatically. Would love to have your opinion on this share, please. Appreciate. It, uh, thank you, kind regards, Sam. So we've got AGL there up on the screen for you, Sam. You can see, yes, you are correct. It is in a decline and has been for some time. We actually have talked about this one on the show. I'm just going to show the monthly picture on this one. It's actually fallen through a lot of what we call support. So when a stock is in freefall like this, 
you never really know exactly where it's likely to, the decline's likely to end. It li meaning it literally could end anywhere, which is the point of, mm. you know, having the stop loss to stop that flow out. So, and I've just lost my chart, but the point of it is if you look on the right-hand side, you can see that we're in a decline and that the stock is, is not showing any signs of letting up. Last week, it actually continued to fall from around $11 to $10. That's around 10%. So sometimes you can have these flush outs at the bottom of a run where a stock just continues to push lower until it eventually shows some sign of support. But you really need to see a few weeks up on this share before you'll even know whether it's got the potential to turn around at these levels or not. So I'd say mm -hmm. it's still, a, it's still um, potentially could fall at this point and that's a big concern, isn't it? Well, we don't know whether he owns or he doesn't own it because he hasn't that's, said that. He hasn't that. added that in there. So mm. at the moment, it's a stay away. Mm -hmm. It really is if you don't own it. If you do own it, you probably should have sold it a long time ago with some rules around all that. But, but we did say, I think, on the on mm -hmm. the show that we did on this previously that this is one of the sort of stocks that even mm -hmm. though you're not going to be jumping into it while it's falling, that you'd, mm -hmm. it's one to keep an eye on for oh, a absolutely. potential opportunity down yeah. the track because if you're not in it, you don't care where it's going to, how far it's going to fall. You just wait for that um, mm. chance to be able to draw a trend line on it and see if it's going to change momentum and direction. Yeah, don't buy it because you think it's cheap because you could mm. be catching a falling knife. Um, thanks for that, Janine. A really good answer. Now we have a question from Rob who asked that we give our views on two stocks. That's all fine, Rob. However, we only do one stock per email and so we've picked the first one that you put in there and here is what you asked us to um, do. ResMed, I bought this stock a long time ago at $17.70. The stock has been in the downtrend for some time and recently fallen through its uptrend line as I see it. Um, according to your book, as I interpret it, that's a sell signal. So let's go and have a look at ResMed. We bought it $17.70. Yep. So let's bring that up. All right, I'll just quickly, we've got um, yeah. ResMed on the chart there. So if you just have a look at the angle of that trend that was pushing up there, you can see that it's come back all mm. the way to it again. And it's really struggled, hasn't it? Yeah. It you know, is. it's it's traded up here. And th this has been a darling mm. of the stock market it has. for some time. It's one of the healthcare stocks. 28th of February 2020, it was trading at around the same level that it's trading at now. In fact, now it's a little bit lower than that. Mm. So that just gives you an idea. Whereas a lot of other stocks have continued on from where they were at the start of 2020, the healthcare stocks have been languishing and have gone out of favour. They will come back in favour at some point again. That sort of shifting of the, the cycles across from one sector to another just happens. But yep. at the moment, I guess the main concern is whether it's going to fall away or not for anyone holding it. And um, you wouldn't be looking to buy it because you just don't know where the bottom is. Right well, I now. can't see it crossing below a trend line as per the rules in my book. So I can't see that. So I think you're doing, he hasn't got quite got the trend line correct this point in time, but I agree with it. It looks like it's falling away at the moment. So you need to have some exit signals on your book. You're currently in profit. So we bought it at $17.70 a while ago. Currently it's around $25 odd dollars. So we're still about $8 in profit. So roughly 50, mm. 50, just under 50% in profit on the stock yep. at the moment. So looking okay. Look, but, he might be mm. talking about a trend line on the weekly chart, which you may be able to get a steep one right up underneath that rise there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty tough on trend lines. Mm. I'm pretty tough on trend lines. All right. right now, you're thinking it's got further to go down, but we're not saying how well, far it's well, got to go. Well, let's just see if it finds support around where it's currently trading at the mm. moment. But if it doesn't find support on that longer-term angle of the trend that I've drawn in there, mm. then potentially we could be in for a bit more of a decline. Okay. So we're not saying to sell. We're just saying to make sure you know where it's going to and make sure you're setting yep. a stop-loss or an exit strategy on it for yourself. Yep. The next question we have is from Jason. Hi, guys. I've been listening to you guys on and off for a year. I enjoy the show and appreciate the information that you provide. Well, thanks very much for that. The more I listen, the more I feel I don't have the time to dedicate and the knowledge to begin share investing. And I better just um, find a good broker or company who, who recommends stocks for me to buy or sell. I don't see how I... Um, our small-time investor could compete with other stockbrokers who have been to uni for three years and then uh, may have 10-plus years' experience of trading every day. I'm guessing the minimum time needed would be five to ten years per week to dedicate... Ten to years do per week? Ten hours per week to dedicate to proper share research. And, and it, hey, I should, I'm glad you picked me up on that. It doesn't seem like a fun... It does seem like a fun hobby, though. What are your thoughts? So there we go. Wow. Mm. I think he, you've got... How do I say it? 
No, you've got completely the wrong idea, matey. Just because a stockbroker's been to university studying economics or business for three years doesn't mean he's going to be better than you on the market. You can, And that's the reason why you're going to be better than a broker on the marketplace because a lot of them don't understand trading. And, and I'll say that with all due respect to brokers, but I met so many brokers who don't have anywhere near the knowledge of our students, not even close. And would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Not even close. It's not, not even scratching the surface um, to that sort of stuff. So that's one thing. And, and regardless of whether they've got 10 years experience or not, they still, most times they don't anywhere have experience in trading the market. The other one is you're talking about the time taken to manage a portfolio. If you just want to be an active investor, just get my book, one hour a month, that's all you're going to need. You'll beat most of the brokers at what they're actually doing. You'll have a good profitable return but even as traders when we're teaching traders you know we're talking them to be more uh, trading some of our students might spend a couple of hours a week some might spend 10 hours a week like you're talking about it just depends on how active they really want to be did you want to answer any of that um look he said it was you know he he's, mm -hmm. he would like to i think he would like to do it he would like to do it that's what he's saying yeah but the challenge is always mm -hmm. how far do you go into it mm -hmm. and what do you study so you, you can study a little or mm -hmm. you can study a lot that's mm -hmm. totally up to you mm -hmm. so we have courses that you know meet different people's requirements so that's one thing you don't have to do as Dale's saying 10 hours a week to be able to get there the other side to it too is um, once you start learning mm. this stuff, you might actually find that you don't want to put it down. It's like reading a good book, but this is just intriguing because when I went to high school, they didn't teach you this sort of stuff. You know, you just not even didn't even get close to telling you what you need to know. And even today, I they speak don't. to kids and they don't learn really what they need to know either. Mm. So, you know, I think that when a lot of people get into it, they don't realise what it is. No. The amount of comments that we've had over mm. the years saying that, you know, if, I, if I'd actually done your course, I wish I'd done your course years ago because I didn't really understand what I would have the opportunity to learn. I reckon I've had a million of those people. A dollar for mm. every person, I'd be you know, even more rich. No, yeah, but. and I mean, once you actually get through mm. the initial, it's like anything you learn. Once you get through that initial phase mm. of learning mm. the content, then it's up to you how much you put into it every the week. Time. But but you could choose just to study 10 stocks and that's it. Mm. And then all you have to do is spend an hour a week updating your analysis on it, really. Mm. You know, if you're simple. spending more than that once you've already completed the analysis on the monthly and weekly mm. charts, then there's something not right with your approach, I'd say. Yeah. Now, he did ask about the software we use, which is Optima, which is we've mm. shown people on the screen. But he did ask about how much it costs. Not relevant to you right now, matey, because this is a trader's, trader's software. It's not for investors. And so probably without being rude to people watching this show, most of the people watching the show are not at the level to be able to use a piece of software like this because it's well over a thousand dollars. But as you said to me before, mm. the software is a tool. Yeah, it is. So you need to know how to not just you mm. know drawing a trend line is one thing. Mm. It's a two. You're looking at it in two dimensions. There are there is a third dimension to to doing the analysis on a chart. So it's applying the, the third dimension. Please, can oh, sorry. You stop him. Okay. Um, there, you know, a third dimension in terms of being able to see how it all comes together yeah. and then actually being able to do that. And that's what we teach you, you know, in our courses, how to do it. So, look, I think I've said enough, really. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, mm. I think I, I totally agree with you. So hopefully that answers your question. So that's yep. it for that one. All right. We hope you're enjoying the show so far. We've got lots more to come. Before we get into tonight's topic, now's the perfect time to show your support for the team who put tonight's show together and hit that subscribe button, remember, to also like the video. Send Please chocolates and bourbon. Do it now so that Dale knows that you responded to my <laughs> prompt rather than his. It's a bit of a competition. Also remember, those who email in a video question during the month of February, you'll go into a draw to win a signed copy of Dale's book, Accelerate Your Wealth. We will announce the winner on next week's show, so be prepared for that. Remember, you must email in a video question, so fire up your camera and get talking. Roger's video tonight is certainly in the running. It was very ingenious, I thought. And so see if you can send us a great question and top that one. Well, they don't have to be funny or anything like Roger's, but they just have to be a good question, don't they? Don't they? That was gorgeous. But it was really good, eh? Well right. done, Roger. Now it's time that we get into the topic for tonight, which is how high will the US stock market rise before it crashes? At times, the US and Australian markets run together, while at other times, history demonstrates how they diverge. Although the COVID-19 pandemic slowed the rise of global equity markets when trillions were wiped from global exchanges within a few weeks, the US continued to lead global markets to reach new all-time highs with the S&P 500 
Dow Jones and the Nasdaq all achieving this feat. Currently, opinions divided as to whether the US market is trading at a peak or whether the tech sector will continue to drive the S&P 500 higher and the Dow Jones to 40,000 points. By comparison, the Australian All Ordinaries Index is still trading just below its pre-COVID high, which indicates further potential gains are likely to in the coming years. This is why it's important to explore both the US and Australian markets and consider the impact that the tech sector, the mining and financial sectors have on these areas of the market. We will also provide our view on whether these sectors are overvalued signalling a market peak or are we yet to see further upside in 2021 and how far will they rise? Mm, it's a lot to cover, isn't it? Well, you've, you've <laughs> given us a big, big task in the next 10 minutes, aren't you? <laughs> that one in All right. um, but the first thing we really need to discuss or is to consider the point Janine made about the US and Australian markets leading and then lagging each other. And, and this occurs approximately every five years. Uh, you'll find information on this phenomenon in my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. It's your money, your choice. So let's take a look at, at the slide that, or a slide from my book or a page in my book. Now on your screen right now is basically the total returns from shares with Australia versus the US in 1900. So we're talking about, I think, I can't remember what the end date is it's 2020 is the last line on the chart basically now this was your, from your book but it was actually from an article by owen correct okay so we need to just make sure i'm glad you that. brought that up because i could remember where i found it from but it was research from a company but it shows a whole lot of things on here doesn't it it does so um, looking at that you can see that in red um, the u.s real total returns in u.s dollars after inflation so that's the line that Initially, so if you so point to that, that starts off lower than the Aussie market and then yep. eventually catches up, takes over, and then there are periods where these markets cross each other, one's leading, one's lagging, and vice versa. So the, in the green, the top mm. one, we can see Australian real total returns in Aussie dollars after Australian inflation. Yep, so that's the 87 crash where my pointer is there. Mm. Yep. Now, the interesting thing too about the US market mm. versus the Australian market is Australian shares often pay more dividends. US mm -hmm. shares often have more corporate actions. Correct. So there's a bit of a ch change over there. But right now, because the tech sector's leading, that chart would actually be mm. different and the red line would be well above the green line. Mm. Mm. So down here we're talking about, this is the, the, the um, GFC through in here, I think, where yep. that line is there. So we've had the subprime sovereign debt. You can see how Australia went down with it, but we're still outperforming the US at this particular time. So I mean, we mm. might have to enlarge the chart even just so they can see that portion of the chart, because otherwise, will they you know, be able to see all of that? It's oh, look, they can. Detail. I mean, but they can just get the book and they'll have the chart yeah, well, there to study true. it and they can have a look at it anyway. But, you know, with with what we're seeing on here is or what you were just pretty much just talking about is about patterns repeating, you know, every five yeah. years. So do you want to say more on that while we've still got the chart up there? Yeah, so look, what this chart um, showed or what the analysis mm. Showed was that every five years, approximately, these the markets mm. alternate mm. between one leading and the other one leading. So Which the is Australian, what we're here, yeah, yeah. So now we're seeing the U.S. market leading. We are likely to see that change at some point. It's mm. it's on average over time that the both markets achieved a very similar return over the long term over 117 years. Mm. I know we get people all of the time. I mean, I've even had some person. Mm comment on our YouTube channel saying, you know, Aussie markets, CRAP, US market. And yeah, but like, when you well, get a lot of people saying that, and when you start to see mm. more people shift their money, mm. that's often when the markets do shift. When they do shift, because <laughs> yeah. the amateurs tend to buy at the wrong end of the time. Mm. They buy when everything's peaked, thinking, wow, this has run so hard last year, let's get into that. And and we've already said that we don't think the US market will achieve as much as what it did last year. It would probably be a little bit more subdued this year. But look, it could do. Year, like, I'm actually, I'm actually expecting there could be an outlier situation. Mm. We don't know at this don't point know. because we don't know what the effect of the stimulus... Because Correct. it's never happened before that this amount mm. of stimulus has been pumped out into yeah. the economy. So it's artificially manipulated the market a little bit. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. So do you want to say any more on the chart before we move on? No, I think, um, look, except to say that um, I think it's so interesting to study this. And each year I take out the book and remind myself of this pattern mm. uh, when I'm having a look at the analysis and just checking to see where the US and the Australian market's likely to be headed. 
Okay, so, so, yep, so that was that fine. Mm. Okay, so let's move on now. But let's now take a look at the US market and see where they are headed. Now we have two charts to look at. One is the S&P 500 and the other one is the Dow. Now first up, Janine, let's consider whether the Dow will go to 40,000 points and then we can review the S&P 500. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. Mm. Look, I guess in the short term, the real risk right now, if we're not looking at the big picture, we're looking at the right-hand side of the chart. So is right that over here? The real risk is that the US market's been slowing for the last couple of weeks. And if this week's bar doesn't push strongly higher, so, okay, um, so, see right now, so, so look at the last three weeks. There's no real change mm. in the market overall. Mm. You know? So the market's just peddling. It's just sitting in first gear and not really going anywhere. Now, if the market actually mm. pulls back below that 30,000 point mark. That one? Yep, that one there? Then we're I'm coming back on. to fill that gap that you can see on the, on the weekly chart there. Right down in here. Yeah, and I've marked on the monthly chart on the left-hand side what I would call as a critical turning point for the US market. So if for some reason the US market um, reverses and uh, the market doesn't take the, any news that comes out over the coming months well, mm -hmm. then we could see the, the markets really capitulate. I don't expect that to happen right yep. now. So unless I had more data on the right-hand side of the chart telling me that, it's probably a worst case scenario that I'm not expecting right now. Okay, so you're suggesting this could be the peak, is the peak is here or you're not? Look, I'm not because it's just mm. sitting there. There's no direction. And normally mm. when you get a peak, it's normally a reasonable peak. You get a mm. push one way or the other really strongly so that you can see that it's changing. And right mm. now I'm looking at the upside and saying that there's still a potential for the market to keep going up around that um, 34,000 to sort of 36,000 point mark. Yep. 33, something is actually more closely to it, but I won't give an exact figure. Um, so it's roughly that 34 to 36 mark. Now, the, mm. the, the upside potential is still there for the market to head closer to 39, 40,000 points. Correct. But yep. I'm thinking this year, because we're less likely to have such a boom year, that I'm expecting 34 to 36 in 2021. I was actually looking at all my research today and that was exactly what I was going to say. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't want to go and look at your research to cloud my judgment and I'm thinking 34 to 36. Yeah, and this is why, mm. like, this, this demonstrates mm. that it doesn't matter who is studying what mm. we teach, mm. you can get the same, you can do the same review on any stock or yeah. market once you've got the knowledge. And it happens, doesn't it? Even our students sometimes, we Absolutely. have a look at their analysis and think, wow, you it's, know, they've just they've, done... They've slandered out of yeah. the park, you know. Mm. So to me, what I'm looking at, I'm going to say, I don't think the Dow's going to do 40,000 this year at all. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to do. I think it's got a hope in hell of doing that. Yep. I think the market will rise up through maybe the next four to six weeks. Okay. But I'm not discounting it's going to fall from now through into about May. Mm -hmm. Probably April will be bearish. Probably have a low in May. But if it starts falling out, it might be a little bit early. It might be in April. Okay. Um, but if it goes up for the next four, maybe five, six weeks, then the low will happen in May. But I don't yep. think it's got a snowball's chance in hell of getting to 40,000 points. I reckon okay. 34, 36 like you. That's, so re that's a reliable level, isn't that's it? That's a reliable level. So that was the upside for the Dow for 2021. Now, that's provided it doesn't turn on a dime and, and yeah. just pull back strongly first. So well, we've just got to watch. We just need to see the next couple of weeks to see mm. some direction on mm. the on the US market because mm. right now there is none as we were saying before. And momentums. If people go and look at my our show, our Flix, uh, sorry, Talking Welsh on Flix, um, which is flix.net, so, sorry, flixx.net, the show that we did for yesterday, for Monday on Flix, I pull this apart and I talk about how the momentum's slowing and everything else and how many points per day the Dow and the s and is rising. So go and have a look at Flix, flixx.net. I'm not going to do it today, mm. but go and have a look at my big take on the US market. I talk, up, talk about the S&P and the Dow and show you how the momentum is slowing. So let's now get into the upside for the S&P for 2021. So let's have a look at that. Yeah, what you just said before made yeah. me think about our advanced course because mm. I, when I'm thinking about that, Markets don't always go up at the same angle. Advanced we can. Course. I just rub my crystal ball. <laughs> we can draw lines, like I have on the on the S and P mm -hmm. uh, five hundred, and yeah. say, well, look, you know, over the long term, it's been following this trajectory. But at times, this market will accelerate away from certain points, like it from does. this low in February two thousand and sixteen. The angle mm -hmm. of the rise from there is different to the angle of the overall rise, and that's because mm -hmm. what we talk about in the advanced course are where markets and stocks are in their overall patterns. Yeah. So I just, I think that, you know, this is not, even though we're in uncharted territories from a point of view of the stimulus, we're, we're not in completely uncharted territory 
from a history perspective in terms of accelerating markets. So there's always a possibility that this market could... And I've marked on here where the downside risk, I think, is in the short term and back to that high that was a pre-COVID high. I don't expect that it's going to come back that far. Yep. Um, you know, right now with the market moving the way that it has been, there's more potential for that to, to continue high, but I'm not ruling out a move to the downside. So I've got approximately 12% up to that first level there around that 4,300 point mark. And of course, the bigger move, if it really just turns around and starts to kick on, which I'm not expecting it to do that, that this year, but I always have a look at what's that um, potential extra level, that sort of, um, you know, that big target, if you like, yeah. if it were to push on, then that's around 4,800 points. So um, that's pretty much it. Did you have a similar scenario? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, uh, look, I was I was struggling to determine whether it would do double-digit returns this year. Yep. It would, And it really does depend on whether, on how far the dip is into May. If it's really big dip, mm. like let's say 15% plus, then I would say that return for the calendar year oh, will well, be I'm, closer. Sorry, I wasn't talking, I better clarify that. This yeah. I'm not talking calendar year. Yep. I'm talking this would be the peak, peak for the year. For the, for Doesn't, the year. I'm not saying where it's going to end up. Cool. In December. Yeah, because we're still thinking it'd probably be more bullish towards the end of the year. Mm. We're going to have a dip in the middle of somewhere, like we were talking about, and then move up to the end of the year. So the total calendar year return is where that is. Mm -hmm. But overall, I don't think it's going to be a massive run like it did Look, last, that last year. That chart we showed previously shows yeah. that long-term returns tend to stick around 7 or 6 or 7% yes. on average over time. And we know mm. that in a new presidential election year, that, that the US market has usually done somewhere between 6 and 7%. Cool. So there's it. That's Janine's yep. prediction. So that's pretty much our sort of take on it. As I said, just go and have a look at the, the, my show, our show on flicks and you'll see a little bit more of my take on what I think with the S&P and the Dow and how they're unfolding and what they're actually doing because there's some really cool stuff on that. So let's move on now, Janine, and let's show them something else. Okay, so we've got to complete the comparison of the two markets. We now are going to review the All Lords. So let's just bring up the chart of the Australian market. Now, we're talking about a totally different picture yeah. on the Australian market than the US markets. And as um, you've probably heard Dale talk about it before on his market report, the Australian market has only just gone through the, the um, all-time high that it had prior to the, or during the GFC. So we've seen that happen pre-COVID. Mm. And now we've seen it happening again, pushing higher. Mm. So the fact that it's gone up to this level it's not to say that it couldn't reverse and turn down yeah. in the short term from that level, and we are expecting a bit of a peak to occur within yep. the next few months, um, a short-term peak, yes, and then a continuation of that move up. So I'd expect somewhere between 7,800, 8,000 points. But my outlier or stretch target, if the mining sector um, has a um, continuation of the current run, and it's dependent on the mm. banks largely as well, Yeah. The banks need to actually continue to kick on. We, we're going to see ups and downs in the banks. That's just the cyclical nature mm. of, of any stock on the market. But overall, there's a, a big target, stretch target for the year of around 8,700 um, points. Yeah, look, I think that bottom target that you've got there, I think that's quite achievable this mm. year. I think we can safely say if it still remains bullish, we don't get any major disasters happening. So that's the upside for the AXAO for 2021. Mm -hmm. That from that point of view. Now we need to discuss a bit about the comparison with the US market and the Australian market. Look, I think we need again. to say one more thing on the mm -hmm. Aussie market at this yeah, point. Yeah. Okay. Because we've always got to look at the upside and the downside. And that's what mm -hmm. we teach you when you come to us because so many people get a fixed view, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. not the way to do it because there's more data appears on the chart. You need to adjust yourself so that you're yep. a flexible mind going through the market. Now, if the Australian market were to pull back below that GFC high again... Yes. Depending on how far it falls from that level, then it's going to be more of a challenge for it to push back through that again. Mm. So that's what mm. I'm watching at the moment to see how the continuation of the current rise allows it to push through that pre-COVID high. That's really important yeah, for our market. there's a few economic factors that are play here, isn't mm. it? So, but, you know, if you yeah. look at it in relation to that previous mm. graph, you know, the one with the five-year Australian and US mm. market, if our market's now going in to be the leader... Mm. and passing the US market, because the US market potentially could start slowing down a bit, then you'd have to think that that's reasonable to expect. Yeah, 
So that's yeah. So mm. that's what you're comparing as the US market against Australia. That we're probably going to flip now, and Australia is going to be a little bit better than the US. It relies on our financial in. sector being strong. Yeah, it strong. relies on our fi if our financial sector is good, our, our mining's good, our Aussie dollar's looking good, so that could help as well. So now we need to get into the sectors, don't we? Because one of what's driving the sector in the markets. Yeah. So like in the US, mm. as you've talked about in your mm. reports, it's all about the tech sector, isn't yeah. it? It's oh. the financials and the tech sector. Well, if the tech sector's not going well, the S&P 500's not going because it's a big chunk of the S&P mm. 500. So not 23? So is it 25 now or 23 at the moment? Oh, I think it's... Something around that over order? Over 25, I think it was, for the mm. last time I looked at it. But yeah, but it's a big chunk. Mm. So if they're not doing well, then the, the whole, the S&P is not going to drive very, very well. So It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like at some point, mm. you know, what's going to, going to turn that area of the market down? We've seen a tech wreck before, but we've got mm. some really big companies that are far more stable now. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if it's this whole... Yeah thing going around the world at the moment where the media the tech companies are having to pay for the for media and whether that's going oh, to start well, the ball rolling. they're turning up the heat, aren't they, and all these mm. companies, and I think so So they should be turning But you wouldn't think that would really start to take effect for a couple of years well, anyway, probably. Apple launching their new iOS, which is going to block a whole lot of the tracking stuff for Facebook and Google and all that sort of stuff. So, mm. And I'm, Google and Facebook aren't looking forward to it. So if they're not going to perform well, we could not. We could see the Fang stocks not perform that well over this coming year, and there's a whole lot of variables there. But what sectors are looking? Because we did talk about. Well, say we're going to touch what sectors are looking. We should do a show on on some of that information. Because oh. what 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 is the what's Apple's biggest driver? At the end of the day, in terms of its um, I'm not business. telling you. It's See, this a is what this is what he's going to keep a secret until our next show. So someone has to ask for it as a topic. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Does the five-year alternation model still hold true? Look, we won't know for until mm. this current cycle starts to unravel itself for a little bit longer. But, you know, yeah. you'd have to say if over 117 years it actually seemed to work, mm. you would have to think that it's going to continue over time. Yeah, well, I think it's probably even, you know, 117 years. I mean, it's also backed up by that research that we talked about, we've mentioned a few times, which is that um, uh, study by Harvard, business school, you know, uh, what do they call it, Triumph of the Optimist, oh, yes. where they studied the markets for 101 years and then they found the Australian market actually outperformed the US market by a little bit mm -hmm. um, over 100 years. So it's really consistent with all of that sort of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, but it's really mm. challenging for mums but and dads if they're wanting to, you know, get a decent return out of the market and yeah. they were looking at, you know, what's going to happen in the next four or five years. That's what's mm. really important to people, yeah. isn't it? Don't, don't assume that the US is just a better market. Yeah, um, and that's a good that's point. That's probably a real big mistake. But to really do a full analysis, we really would um, break it down to individual sectors of the Australian and US markets. And this is something anybody can learn to do fully with the right training. And we've shown you little bits and pieces about it in the in past videos or that we've done for this we show We did the as mining well. sector, energy sector. We did the mining we, sector, energy have sector. Have we done financials? We've I don't done, think we've broken apart financials. Maybe we no, should. but we've talked about how to find the right stocks and breaking it down I for the I think we should picture. do financials. Everybody oh, okay. vote for financials. Okay. I'd love to talk about it. So come on. <laughs> All right. Well, before we finish on our topic tonight, I really wanted to share some uh, a really important point, and that is that the US market is not the Australian market, and the Australian market is not a stock, but rather a product of all of the stocks within it. So. What am I actually saying? Well, always make your buy and sell decisions based on what you are buying and selling and nothing else. Markets move up and down and stocks can move independently of the market. So whilst the market may be moving up, your stocks may be moving down and vice versa. So always make your decision on what you're actually buying, which is you know, your BHPs, your REOs, whatever the stock is, make your decisions based on that. We could have mm. kept talking about this we one, could couldn't we? And I think we've come to the end of our topic tonight, or I'm being mm. told in my ear that's the case. Move on, Janine. Remember, if you would like us to cover something, please let us know. Vote banks. I, I think you're telling everybody else what we're going to cover. Now let's get into some more emails. But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. And whilst you're there, give us a big thumbs up and click on the like button. Fantastic. Now, we do have a question from Joe who says, Hi, Dale and Janine, could you please take have a look at Amcor? I have a small holding in this stock and bought them at about $16. I'm not a trader, but more medium, looking at medium to longer terms, a term. Thanks, Joe. So let's bring up Amcor now on the screen. Amcor is not a medium to long term hold. I'm a step view. ahead of you. I'm already up. Oh, you're already up there. Okay, I'll go and relax. I'm retired. <laughs> I'm gone. Amcor, look, mm -hmm. it could have been. Like, I'm just going to show you. It it's been. easy for us to say it's not now, but have a look at what it's done over the last few years and then what it did before that. 
So, you know, I mean, if someone was holding it over this period here from the GFC onwards, they would have had a great return, only to see then that the um, mm -hmm. that the mark, this stock went sideways from 2000, end of 2014 all the way through to 2020. It's done nothing. Okay. And it's just struggled to get through that $16.50, $17 mark. So the fact that it's pointing down at the moment is mm -hmm. a real concern in my book. It's just tried, you know, five or six times to get through, hasn't been able to do it. So I think it needs to come back further before it's then going to mount another charge to push through the high. However, if we see it get above sort of 15.50, then it's got a reasonable chance of trying to push through again. But we could see some more downside. He bought it at around $16, so somewhere mm. up around here, somewhere in this mass. So he keeps buying it and he's bought it somewhere near the top. Yeah. Somewhere at this point in time. So currently he's sitting in a little bit of a loss. Which is a shame really because, mm. you know, it... In the Trading Mentor course, are you really pushing home to people to understand about support and resistance? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We talk about all of that in the Trading Mentor course, bar analysis. We talk about you know, buying and selling, how to do that, a whole range of stuff. And so that could pick up even something I like... think we teach too much in mm. it for the price, but anyway, that's yeah, just I think one thing. Do. But we give people a lot in the course. Um, yeah. It's, it's a really, really dirty course. Do you still course. have the deal with the um, course that the Trading Yeah, yeah. If, they can, if people are thinking about the diploma course but not sure they want to do it, they can move into our trading mentor course, which is our more getting started course, and have 30 days on that. And then if they think they want to go into the diploma course because they're learning so much, which is generally what the case is, whatever you paid for trading mentor, we just put it straight onto the diploma. Provided it it's within that 30 days. Provided it's within the 30 days. You upgrade for the first 30 days, mm. you don't lose any money, just go straight into the diploma. And you've had a few weeks on our other course, learning what we teach and how we teach it uh, and getting to know us. So to me, it's a okay. no-brainer. So you just pay the difference, do you? Uh, yeah, basically, you just pay mm. the difference. Okay. Thanks for telling me that. We now have oh, a really... Oh, do you want to roll? Oh, look, I was just talking to somebody the other Which day. credit card are you going to use? Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we now have a really great question from Sandra. Hi, Dale and Janine. I've been practising drawing trend lines. Good on you. After reading Dale's book, Telstra Weekly Trendline has indicated a buy signal. However, it still trades slightly below monthly trendline. I'm not sure if I'm doing this correctly by using... HLC bars. Appreciate your thoughts and analyze on analysis. Analysis, I think. Anal analysis. Analyze on Telstra. An analysis. Analyze. Yeah. analyze on Telstra. Wishing to buy some shares for medium and long term. Hmm. Okay. Do you want me to answer that, do you? Look, yeah. Look, Telstra. Um, Telstra's gone up recently, really nicely. But this week it's down. But that's just typical of Telstra. It goes up and down. Uh, well, yeah, it does typically go up and down. I think there's a couple of parts that I agree with, and a couple of parts I don't. I think. Mm. Telstra is above a monthly trend line and has been for quite some time. She said below. No, but it is above it, not below it. So, mm -hmm. sorry, I should have clarified that. So it's actually above it, um, but you're probably just trying a little bit wrong. Um, but it's even, I think, it's above a weekly trend line now and looking quite nice. So, but you could probably draw one down there on a it's weekly It's definitely basis. above a weekly trend line. Yeah. Yep. So, but it is also above a monthly trend line. But that's okay. People have read my book. It's a little bit of bit fine-tuning, obviously, with your, with your trend lines there. I think it looks pretty good. It's got a little bit of weakness this week, but I think more medium to longer term, it looks all right. But I know when you have a resistance level that you think it needs to get above. Look, sometimes when we're mm. um, looking at stocks, mm -hmm. we'll, we might hold off. If it's below mm. a monthly trend line, there might be an entry on mm. a weekly trend line. Yeah. And then we might take that. Just depends on the rest of the analysis that we're looking at with a particular share. But I think it's good that she's thinking about mm. the longer term picture, not just the shorter term perspective. Mm. And that's really important. But oh, it is. Look, there, there are you can have many levels of resistance on any stock as it's rising. It's like a little flag that... Um, you identify that's telling you to watch for any signs of a change in the direction of the share or the way that it moves. And right now we've seen one week down and mm. that doesn't really indicate anything at this point. So yeah. we just have to watch for the next couple of weeks and see what happens. But Telstra really needs to push back above that um, 330 level. And, okay, and so where are we head... talking about up around here? About yeah, around it's here. got the potential to go between 350 to 360 in the short term. Yep. But long term, it actually looks like it started the move up that we've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, it's, it looks like it's a very long And look, one move, thing yeah. that got me really interested, because mm. you and I have been talking about Telstra and how mm. it's supposed to be a tech-type company, a media-type company, and now 
I've been reading a lot of things about how they're really pushing into the gaming side of things. So they're, 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 keep changing, they're giving, they? yeah, and I think this is a really exciting area for Telstra to be getting into. Uh, there are so many online gamers now looking for all sorts of services and support and faster mm. speeds, etc. And Telstra's well positioned to be able to provide that. I oh, know they went from a telco, and then I saw them. Their CEO, that Ziggy, whatever he dude was, <laughs> back more than a decade ago, saying, "Well, we're now a media company because mm. of Big Pond TV and all the the content they're pushing." Then they've got Netflix come out and all the other ones that came out against competition with them, Foxtel, blah 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 blah. So they struggle with that. Now they're changing direction again, you mm. know, because they're still a telco, and they're still providing data and data services, business services, mobile phones, those sorts of things. But it'd be interesting to see if they can get a hold in the gaming. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could be almost like a one-stop shop for people. Because do you want to have to have subscriptions to this, that and the other? I just other? want to talk to somebody just in want Australia. Have one subscription I don't want to, to talk to anybody overseas, though, because I don't know one company in Australia. This is the most hated company in Australia. I don't think I in know anybody. In terms of having to talk on the phone? Yeah, you ask Look, anybody what they think of Telstra and they'll hate them. Someone told me the other day that they have actually improved. Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> Next is a question from Michael who asks, I'm seeking your analysis on KSN. I own this stock and I'm currently underwater. It's fallen out of a couple of recent uptrends, the first being out of the COVID crash that ran until the start of June and then more recently from July through to the end of August. Using the weekly chart, I realise that this is a small cap stock and usually not worthy of your review. However, I would appreciate you casting your well-trained eyes over the stock and let me know if my strategy seems okay. Well, you're lucky because Dale must have been feeling really good about him, about um, this question because he's put it in there, even though it's a small cap stock. I don't know why I put stock. it in there, but underwater. Mm. But look at the monthly chart and how patchy it is. Even on the monthly chart, the, the, it looks illiquid. But it's interesting. I mean, I, I understand why people are asking us questions, but, you know, it's it's about learning not to have these sorts of stocks. Mm. You know, I mean, because it is just patchy, as you said. It's illiquid. It's not that great. It's not exciting to me. Look, both when, on a monthly and when would it start to look a bit more exciting? Oh, when it starts to trend properly, to me. It's, okay. So what, it's, if it, what if it went above 30 cents? Would it start to look interesting It's not then? about that to me. It's about, is do you want to make your job, if you're a trader, do you want to make your job easier or harder? No, no. Hang on. You said before it's yeah. about whether the stock's going up or down. Yeah, I know. Keep it but that I'm, simple. I'm, I'm changing my, I'm adding to my opinion. No, now. you're going into too complex information here. How do you know? Because you teach me how to make it simple. So All looking right. at this. I'll shut up and you talk. Looking at this, I would say if this share gets above 30 cents, yeah. then I think it's starting to look really interesting and it yeah. could then push higher up to those prior peaks around that 40 cent mark. So that would be a really interesting short-term bit of analysis to do, particularly if it stops. If mm -hmm. it doesn't go any lower than 20 cents as part of this current pullback. pullback so you're talking about that up here. Really nice. Yeah, so see the move down at the moment that you've got, you're pointing to? Jesus, dumb. So dumb, just, dumb. I know you've been, you're trying to um, encourage me to use the pointer. I know. Uh, I used to be one of those crazy women with the, the red dot on the, the projector screen. I, you're still I loved that crazy it. crazy woman with and the And yet red I dot. can't pick up your mouse to, to, to play with that. <laughs> it's got bleach germs on it. Yeah, so looking at this, um, you can see there, 20 cents is not far away. So it's only a few percent away. Let's just have a look where we are right now. So we're talking about another 14% down. Now for these types of shares, mm -hmm. you know, you have to allow a bit more volatility. You know, you have to appreciate the volatility that's in these shares and that it can move more. So it's reasonable to think that it could come back to that level in the short term. But I'd say it would approve, would be proving itself if it heads back above these levels here. So the high there of, what is it, 28 and a half cents. Being too easy. I think it could be okay, but what are you going to do? Are you just going to say sell it? Because it no, I'm not going to say sell it, but I'm just saying it's it's you make a lot of people make their their whole investing and trading harder by picking some of the most illiquid stocks. You're right, and they they just they should make their trading easier. But what if he's already in it? He's already he's already in it. Well, he's, no, he's, he's already underwater. No, I'm about to send him out. You're of trying to give him a, you're trying to give him a really kind. Um, you know, appraisal, yeah. but, in, but in one sense you're giving him a kick up the backside and saying don't buy these types of shares because you're wasting I'm your time. I'm just being general and not specifically to this 
stock. I'm just saying a lot of people make their job harder yeah. by picking these wrong stocks. This is obviously a wrong stock. He's underwater. He said he's lost. Okay, but it's gone but, down or twice. But on how him. do we help him then? Because I mean, he's in the share. Mm -hmm. So now, mm. what would you just stay with it? You still set a stop loss. Well, I agree with you. If it goes down a little bit, you need to get out of it. Mm. And he's already. We don't know what he paid for it, so he could already have triggered a stop loss. Yeah, well, if he's rules. triggered a stop loss, that's a different thing, isn't and it? And he it's says, gone. I can see three or four exit signals there from our courses. Mm let alone anything else on the stop loss. If it does go up, then it's going to be okay. If it gets above that 30 cents, mm -hmm. he'll get out of it and he'll do okay with it possibly. But you don't know. He may have held it from way back from three or four years ago. We're not sure. Yes. All I'm saying is why make your job harder by picking stocks like this? Yep. Make your job easier. Mm. You know, go to the beach, something like that. <laughs> You know, but anyway, that's my yeah, thought. Kingston Resources, let's hope it goes up. Let's move on to another stock. All Otherwise, right. we'll be arguing for another hour or two anyway. Okay. But the next question we have is from Tom, who says, Hi, darling, Janine. My name is Tom. Myself and my two brothers have recently started your diploma course, Monjuan, and we are really enjoying learning your skill. Recently, we have inherited quite a large portfolio from our grandmother, hence the reason why we all decided to gain some knowledge in this area. Myself and Ben are both electricians and Sam is studying to be an accountant. Oh, well done. We have no clue in the share trading game. So looking over my grandmother's portfolio, I noticed she was heavily invested in banks and mainly blue chip stocks. She also has 12,667 positions in AKP, which was purchased at 20 cents in 2004. In your personal opinion, uh, would you hold these stocks or would you deem them too risky and sell at the current market rate of $28? Now, I've planned this before Did you? this show, so you couldn't change anything. Okay. So, so what I've planned to do is show him yeah. um, what we're looking at in terms of the financial sector and how that's going. Okay. So cool. he talked about... Are you not going to argue? No, I'm not going to argue. You've had enough of arguing before. <laughs> I, I know where I'm beaten sometimes. <laughs> Keep my mouth shut. All right, so you can see here that the financial sector, so is heavily into banks, which are doing really nicely at the mm. moment and recovering, but you don't know where the, the, the banks were purchased, but they may have been purchased a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, so potentially those investments could be up and are still yeah. going nicely. And remember, this is the area of the market that needs to lead for our mm. whole market to keep going higher. But, but you can see there the financials across the top there on the left-hand side. There's some yep. resistance around this level here. But once the um, banks and the financials push above this level, then it, we're, it's smooth sailing, in my opinion, yeah. after that. That that sixteen, that 6,500 level is so important for the financial sector. So just keep an eye on that. But it looks great that she's got lots of big stocks, I But thought. you could have picked, if, we'd, if he'd said to us, he's got a big portfolio, she's held for mm. 25, 30 years or whatever it is, we could have picked half the stocks in it already. Oh. Because a lot of brokers did exactly the same thing back well, then. Well, she might have got them too on floats and all sorts of things, yeah, depending on how Yeah, they would have had in there. They have Combank in mm. there because of floats. They might have even had something like, you know, Tabcorp, those sorts of things from floats, but all yep. sorts of stuff. But we could have guessed it. So looking at the stock, what are you saying about the stock? Well, coming to the stock now, so it's all Audio Pixels Holding, I think that's yeah. correct. AKP, wasn't it? Um, um, let me have a look. Do you want to yep. just confirm AKP, that? AKP, yes, that's correct. Okay, now he is absolutely correct. This mm. is totally one out of the box. So yeah. um, I think this lovely lady who had purchased all these shares decided to have a bit of a punt on something by the look of this because it is all over the place. But back, if she's held it, I don't know how long she's held it, but if she's oh. had it for 10 years, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, 2010... It's 2004. 2004. Oh my goodness! Look way at it. back, way back there. So it's done incredibly well. And while it's still pushing higher, why would mm. you sell it? You wouldn't, you know. Mm. And at the moment, it may be slowing down a little bit around this $30 mark. So he's right in raising it because it's getting yeah. close to the all-time high, which can often slow a stock. However, you know, it's about deciding, drawing a line in the sand. And for us, it's looking at a chart and saying, well, if it falls below this level, I'm not going to continue to hold it because I just don't know what could happen on the downside from there. Yep. But if it keeps rising, why would I sell it? Yeah. Mm. I think for my part of my two cents on here letting, uh, is really just wait till module three, mate, and you'll have some rules around that and you'll be able to manage this really, really You'll easy. be able to backtest it. You'll be able to work it all out yourself. Yeah. So um, once you get into module three, which won't be too far away, which only be about 
eight weeks away, I would guess. Uh, Actually, I'm, it's, sure. it, I'm glad you said that because when I first started learning about trend lines, I, I was holding mm -hmm. stocks at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's like this race within yourself to get the analysis done mm -hmm. so that you can then go away and analyse your own stocks. And the interesting thing was that this particular stock cl closed below a trend line. Yep. And so I sold it. And then a couple of weeks later, it turned around and bur burst back up, burst again. back up again. And at that stage, you know, you know, when you're first starting, you don't have mm -hmm. the knowledge to understand how it all comes together. But you've just got to have a rule at the end of the day. Be happy with that and be prepared to get back in again cool. if it keeps going up. So right. Great question, though. Good so stock. that was the answer for that one. So what's next up? All right, so next up, we've got a question from Fauzia. Well Hi, Dale and Janine. Oh, Fauzia, thanks very much for coming back. Looking forward to your show. Um, can you please analyse MFG? I own the stock, bought it at 48.50 back in March 2020. In the last few weeks, it's just um, been falling. I have a stop loss at 15%. Great, good on you. But given the downtrend, I'm thinking maybe I should sell it now then wait for the stop loss, thanks. Okay. Now, mm. at the moment, it just looks a bit suspect, doesn't it? It does look a bit suspect, and I'm not sure, you know, why There's plenty of rules to stock. exit. Like, even on the monthly chart, there, it's, yeah. there's lots of reasons why you, you would have been out of this share right now. I mean, there's a real risk that it could come back to that $40 mark. And if mm. it finds support, roughly where it is now, or around that $40 mark, it may actually turn and go back up again. We've seen nothing to indicate so far that it's going to move up, have we? Yeah, well, I mean, she bought it off the COVID low, so around the, yeah, up in here. So she bought it in that sort of month or week there. So mm. And rode it right up and has ridden it right down. But having rules in hindsight, you would have exited this ages ago. But did not she right enter now. on rules? It doesn't look like um, it. No, and it may have been she didn't have any rules. I'm not sure why she bought it because she didn't actually really say it in the thing. But that's not really relevant. She's got it now. Right now it looks like it's going south. Mm. Should she hold on to wait for 15% stop loss or should she get out? Um, and at the moment, really your decision, Fazio, and we that's can't tell answer. you what you should be doing. Um, you just look, need to be just, comfortable just one, in yourself. Just one thought, though. I mean, look mm. at the stock. I'll just mm. put a crosshair. I know this crosshair is annoying, but... You just mm. look at it across there. It broke a level mm. back in, was it um, earlier mm. this year? Mm. Fell below that 53.64. It's now broken another level at 47.57. So this is why that stop loss is going to be really important yeah. or having a um, exit strategy that can manage this sort of downside. Mm. So. A, that just shows you about uh, uh, one reason why to have rules. So that's it on um, MFG for Falzia. So let's move on. Yeah. Now, just to change topics a little bit, we constantly get great feedback from those who have read Dale's book and they tell us how it has greatly improved their profits, stopped them making mistakes and has given them a lot of wasted time back as they're now more focused in their approach to the market. If you don't have your copy yet, click the link in the description below as you can still get your very own copy of Dale's first book free just by clicking the link below. All you need to do is pay for the shipping. So that's a pretty good deal, I think. No, oh, I think it's a pretty good deal. Now let's get back to some more questions with the next one from Tian, uh, Tian who writes, Hi Dale and Janine, um, Tian here. Um, I love your show. I have two questions for you tonight. With many retail investors having bought in the dip of last year's crash, do you believe we will see the stock share price falling in the next few months as investors sell stocks they've made huge gains on as they will pay less capital gains tax? And secondly, why are there so many quality stocks, top 150, with high P ratios 30 to 40 plus? Is this because there are many retail investors in the market pushing up the share price? And would you buy stocks with high P ratios? Your insights is greatly appreciated. I don't think the first point, I don't think a lot of people are going to take profits just because it's over the 12 months of holding them. Look, some stocks have been rising so strongly, mm. like some of the mining stocks yeah. have been rising strongly, but sometimes it takes a little while for their earnings information to catch up mm. to what the actual share price is doing. So that's important thing to okay. monitor what happens in terms of the fundamental data. Question. Mm. In your experience, retail traders, do they like to sell? No. Okay, that's your answer to one Unless, question. Unless right before tax time, they're mm -hmm. sitting on losses and their accountant or their broker is telling them um, good time to sell some stocks if they get bombarded with too many emails. In that regard, people try to sell for tax reasons. Yeah. To me, in my mind, um, it's about people don't like to sell things they're making money on unless they start fearing that they're going to lose some of their profits. So we need to see the market start coming down before they're going to start fearing that. So that was my answer to the first one. PE ratios, I know they're a favourite of yours. 
Um, look, we don't tend to put a great deal of weight on the PE ratio because mm. it's more about the EPS potential. Mm. And you'll often see that in the reporting season, companies could come out with a really good report and then get sold off because their earnings forecast is actually showing some sort of hiccup down the track. That's what you've really got to look out for. And often mm. when the, the, the one-liners get printed about a yeah. company, they miss the whole point. So you've actually then got to go back and look at the company's report and see what they actually said. So just mm. remember that one. Now, we hope you've loved tonight's show as we really have had some great questions, which means we can give you more of our thoughts and knowledge and help everyone watching. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So share your comments in the section below. And if you've got a topic that you would like to discuss, please let us know. Okay. Now we hope you've had enjoyed. Now, did you write this script? No, I, no, I did. You did this on purpose, <laughs> didn't you? We want to thank those who participated. <laughs> you got payback. <laughs> payback. Remember, you're, I could kick you under the table. Remember that. Remember, you're interested in understanding the stock market and how to consistently profit, then call our office. It's 1300 858 272 or email us at info at wealthwithin.com.au. You just never know who might answer the phone. Yeah, I might have been answering, and I, but for <laughs> name mine, I will. Um, also, if you haven't done so already, remember to hit that subscribe button below and also like the video because Lee, it's loves it. Also remember to put this show into your calendar and join us on the live show every Tuesday 7 to 8pm. Yep and if you would like to have your question answered on the show or if you have a topic you'd like us to cover send an email to info at wealthwithin.com.au and type wealth within live in the subject line to get your question answered on the night you must email before 3pm on that day. Okay. As always we thank you for joining us and we hope you have a great week. We look forward to you joining us again next week for now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Send a video so you can win my book. I just stole your line. I know you did that. You do that all the time. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.